Hello and welcome back to the Future of Figure Skating. I'm Anna Keller and my guest today is Philip Tischendorf. Phil is a former competitive figure skater for Germany, a member of the Contemporary Skating Alliance, and an osteopath and physical therapist. He has turned his experience with injury, pain, and rehabilitation during his athletic career into a practice supporting both skaters and the general public. This episode challenges our misconceptions about injury and invites us to ask, how can we approach injury and pain with curiosity and even appreciation? So Phil, thanks so much for coming on the podcast. I'm excited to get to talk with you. Thanks, Anna. Thanks for having me. So first off, I'd love to ask you a little bit about your journey into the world of health for skaters, the work that you're doing now. You were a competitive skater yourself, and you can tell me a little bit about your journey through that. Yeah, it has been a journey indeed. Yeah, I've been a competitive skater uh, for Germany, mostly in junior and yeah, senior level, competed until 2011. So wow, that's now good 10 years ago. Some highlights, I think for me at the time competitively was taking part at the European Championships 2007, skating at Junior Worlds in 2007 as well. And then one of the reasons why I at some point decided to stop competing and then go into different direction was yeah related to I think what we're going to talk about a bit today like injury and pain and disability let's say so after I quit competitive skating in 2011 I kind of had to regroup myself and figure out what I want after I identified myself so much with the skating and felt like oh I don't know anything else which of course looking back is a bit hilarious but at the time I really identified with this so I went into a kind of a almost like a sabbatical year, traveling and doing complete different things, working and decided to study what I felt I wanted to know more about, meaning how can I help basically myself, but then also others. So I decided to study physiotherapy, went to the Netherlands, did a bachelor's degree there in 2012, which was a four-year bachelor. And then, well, that was a deep dive into so many things, like coming from a skating background. I had a certain image of what physiotherapy would be from a perspective of an athlete. But then when you study physio, it's like, you know, you do the basics of so many fields, like in medicine. So you go to rehab centers, hospitals, private practices. So there's a huge world that I uh, discovered meant for different internships. And basically, I got my mind about what is health <laughs> or let's say different perspectives of what health is, because it's also quite a cultural thing, depending where you are in this world. And the same with pain, by the way. And then I went on, actually funny, I, I never went into much shows, but I did go on a on a cruise ship uh, after my bachelor's degree. So I went in a bit into show skating, skated for uh, Royal Caribbean, kind of a 10-month contract around the world. It was a fantastic experience and then decided I wanted to learn more about health and went into the field of osteopathy. So I went to London, did a two-year master's degree. To 18 to 220 right into covid basically endeavored more into the relation between the body and well also the mind and how it's inseparably linked and then life brought me to switzerland 2021 funny enough through skating again through competitive skating again so kind of 10 years after i quit I went into a skating club teaching what I learned, basically, or trying to teach what I learned from a skater's perspective or ex-skater's perspective now as a coach. Well, I looked after all sorts of ages from 
basically six to let's say early 20s so until like beginners to professional athletes who would also compete at high elite level and looking after their off-ice training but also through my trainings in physio and osteopathy how to deal with injuries hopefully better than they used to <laughs> and then next to it i started earlier this year 2023 i started to work clinically again meaning i um kind of put this work with the skating club uh, aside for the moment and wanted to focus again on treating let's say a general population which basically just means whoever steps through the door so it could be athletes could be everyone pregnant people babies kids like a huge variety of people because that's what i'm fascinated about helping people or helping themselves as a long introduction no I, i'm so fascinated by the way that you have been continuing to pursue knowledge and finding ways to apply it. When you were skating competitively, what was some of your experience with injury at that time? And what do you feel like you know now maybe that you wish that you had known then? So my experience with injuries at the time was luckily not actually too, in quotation marks, uh, heavily injuries or heavy injuries. Like I had loads of different muscle tears, of course, loads of bruises, like every skater we get. Minding, of course, I'm a single skater, like clearly in pair skating, ice dancing, complete different injuries because of complete different tricks and, and, and demands, lifting and so on. But yeah, so loads of injuries to all types of muscles around the basically pelvic area. So it seemed at the time my body couldn't really deal with a lot of those uh, fast rotations, which now have obviously even got um, more demanding <laughs> with quads going on. My experience with injury, yeah, with injuries was that uh, actually I, I really took it always very uh, devastating. Maybe that's a bit strong word, but I, I always uh, had a hard time to accept to be injured and to... Um, kind of always saw it as a kind of punishment without going too much into a religious area not at all but like I really identified a lot through that like suffering let's say and now definitely looking back I think I viewed injury or pain I identified way too much I focused too much on that being injured instead of looking for what else not just me obviously my team around me without um at the time, in a way, it was what it was at the time. I think I didn't really enough uh, looked at alternatives how to train. Because once you're injured, you rarely ever, unless you break something, really that injured that you can't do anything. So I, not that I didn't do anything, I did rehab, but I think I could train much more mentally with visualizations and just different coordinatively um, to stay not just in shape differently but also to learn more to learn different things how to recover better and uh, i think yeah 10 years later now also loads of things have changed in, in skating yeah i think that's really interesting the idea that you know if you're so focused on whatever is injured and what you can't do then that's a very negative you know place mentally to be in and also that that maybe is stopping you from using that time in more productive ways absolutely that's clearly one misconception or a mistake that skaters might make when it comes to dealing with injury what are some of the other things that you see that are you know commonly done that you think might not be the best way of going about it 
in a way so many things <laughs> not to catastrophize or not at all but i have a very different lens on i think human health or like on, on health in general but also on skating just through my training like in a way i distanced myself from it you know i'm, I'm still following the world of competitive skating and although i've been back now into competitive uh, field like helping young athletes I haven't been, let's say, on with the top level skaters internationally. So I still, I would say, so many misconceptions. Misconceptions. I think one of the biggest ones still out there, and that's not that related, not just related to skating, but to the general world, is that we we kind of equal injury uh, or pain with tissue damage. Like for us, for a lot of us, that is still kind of the same where what science tells us now research tell, tells us clearly is it's it doesn't have to be that way like pain is such a big thing it's such a multi-dimensional experience an unpleasant emotional experience it's much more it's so much more complex than just simply issues with the tissues so it's really i think a big misconception for many is still that once you're injured you try to reduct, have a kind of reductionist thinking of what tissue, what muscle bone is causing injury. Whereas uh, what we now know, thankfully, but still it's so hard to grab that because the, this idea has been so long around that tissues come, issues come from the tissue. So pain is tissue related. It can be, but it doesn't have to be. So pain is really this big collective emergent experience that the brain tries to make sense of and so pain is very complex and ultimately it's trying to be a protective signal from your whole body your nervous system so not just the brain the whole nervous system so that's one big misconception it's huge though it's like it's really uh especially in not just skating but in all sports we really um, when we think i mean you just have to read any news when we read of any injury to any athlete, it often is very biomedically explained. And that this is not wrong, but there's just so much more to it. There's the social effect, the psychological effect, and we rarely view pain through those lenses. We often slash way too much or entirely view it through a biological, medical, tissue-based lens. Um, but pain is so much more than just that that becomes i think clear and i understand why it is so dominant in again not just skating but professionals or sports in general because you're dealing with your body so so much so when you have an injury you are in pain you can very easily locate it where it is in the body but there's so much more to it than just that location like we know that your beliefs your network around you the way you communicate with or the coach any healthcare practitioner com communicates with the athlete tremendously influences the experience that then is made up as what the brain interprets as pains. Yeah, I was thinking about how they're in my own experience of sports or in reading the news and seeing how people talk about it. There's almost two contradictory ways of talking about pain that it's either, oh, that's the warning sign. It's the evolutionarily, you're going to put your hand on the hot stove. Oh, that's pain. Don't do that. Learn to not do that thing that causes you pain. And then like an athlete's training perspective, there's the whole no pain, no gain, like pain is good, <laughs> push yourself and those opposite extremes in terms of thinking about pain. And yeah. 
in some ways, what you're saying is much more nuanced. Exactly. It is really way more nuanced. And it is also just a reflection still of our time and how we see our world. Like we try to often try to make things more simple in order to make sense of it or trying to, you know, understand it. But the whole thing around it is so complex, which is what I what I really like to learn more about and then try to bring across more to especially people who need it in skating, which are coaches and, and parents and like everyone in a way. Yeah, pain is very, very nuanced and uh, ultimately a very subjective experience. And no, you can never compare just because the coach had a certain, even the word similar injury, no? Even if you call, if you say like, oh, I fractured whatever, a certain vertebral, like a certain uh, spinal segment or an elbow or something. Even if you say, well, I also fractured that, it will never be the same. How could it be? We are very different human beings in a very different social family environment. Like pain is so subjective. It always is a very individual experience. The really most important thing when someone is in pain is really to listen and not just um, listen to what that person, athlete, human wants to communicate and basically you want to figure out what is their story like why are they in pain and everything is valuable what they say and what they like not just verbally but also non-verbally like there's this whole almost like Sherlock Holmes uh, you have to scan you have to grab so many cues try to make the biggest picture possible to understand that suffering in a way human being athletes so it's a very very complex thing and we, i think this is one of the biggest misconceptions is that we try so often to view pain as something simple that is tissue based and yes that's right but it's so much more i think uh, there are so many interesting subjects how to kind of get that message a bit more clear that pain is more than just tissue injury for example, if you look at Paralympic athletes, um, how much they are capable of doing, it's incredible. And they are everything but symmetrical. They're everything but what we often, and especially maybe in skating, look at the aesthetic, beautiful thing. Like, But if you ask most of those athletes, they're pr very likely not in pain. And, and they are very likely, they're incredible well, athletes as well. And I think we can learn so much from people who are what we call disabled. We can learn so much about disability, pain, symmetry, asymmetry. Like, again, I could talk so long about it, like posture, the whole thing of good posture. You know, when you look at Paralympic athletes, you clearly see at some point where well, good posture doesn't really exist. Uh, it's really just what is your body capable of doing? What is your training load? What is the capacity you train the body to? endure or not this is important and then another interesting example to get the message across of that pain is really a measure of safety rather than an actual state of tissue there's a condition called congenital insensitivity to pain cis so it's like a really rare disease that's characterized by the inability to perceive pain from birth so you know, although a lot of people wish to have no pain, but there's unfortunately a condition that, you know, kind of contradict myself here. I said pain is kind of a, a mixed, a complex information made up by the brain or created by the brain. So those humans who have this congenital insensitivity to pain, they have certain receptors or they don't have them, which gives feedback to the brain about tissue state temperature inflammation and they those receptors do not work so most of those individuals do not live very long because they burn themselves they don't feel it they uh, you 
can injure them and they just don't notice it. So they often bleed, you know, they, they don't realize it. they fracture things, they don't feel it. So it's uh, pain is really about, it's our friend, it's not an enemy. Pain is really uh, something that wants to protect us and not to um, fight us. Yeah, that's so interesting. And then you have examples as well of somebody who loses a limb and they still feel, can feel pain even when the you know the tissues aren't there anymore. But there's so many people who deal with chronic pain or things that are just they're getting the signals yes. without the damage. It's like the opposite the opposite situation. So that being able to use it as a use it as a sign, but what it's signaling is not necessarily so straightforward. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, through a lot of those anomalies, yeah, like not the norm in history or in science in general, we learned a lot or we updated our theories or modules on anomalies. So for example, phantom limb pain, like that really challenged scientists uh, many decades ago about what pain is and maybe what it isn't. So like clearly through phantom limb pain, so for anyone who doesn't, uh, haven't heard that term yet. So basically when a person gets, you know, for whatever reason, a limb or it doesn't have to be even a limb, but like even a finger or a, a hand or certain body part, amputated they can still then although it's physically not present anymore they can still experience pain in that non-existing body part anymore which sounds really odd i think to many people but it is a real thing and the reason therefore is because our our brain or within our brain we have a bodily representation called homunculus looks really funny everyone who wants to have a laugh uh, googles that now um so our body is represented in our brain depending on different receptors and mostly our hands, feet, lips, genitals are very rich of certain receptors and are differently bodily represented. But anyhow, so because of that map in our brain, people can have pain in body parts that doesn't physically exist anymore. So really interesting. And that that's kind of, that's why it challenged, it challenged uh, science and, and modules of what pain is and it also here clear it's, it's not just simply a, a certain tissue that is injured and then feedbacks to the brain no because that tissue doesn't exist anymore so there must be a bit more to it let's say that you were working with a skater who you know came to you saying oh i'm getting a lot of pain in my in my knee when i jump yeah how would you start trying to work with that person uh -huh. to you know to figure out what maybe is going on or how to approach it yeah very good example kind of with everything i so said already uh i hope it comes clear or more clear that it is not easy to assess someone who is in pain it is really not easy and this is why it really comes down to a lot of patience and time eventually like basically what i try to do is to take time to listen first of all to listen to what they are saying and trying to get an idea of that athlete, that human being, why they are in pain. And like often the, the, the only question I ask is, tell me what you come in with today or tell me your story because it's that invites them. It opens up basically what, what whatever they feel important, necessary, um, value, valuable to let me know because the more I understand them as a human being, as an athlete, the more I'm in a position to help because ultimately also another misconception, me as any healthcare practitioner, whether that's a physio, a doctor, um, a massage therapist, anyone, I'm not their primarily to help them. Yes, of course, I'm there to help them, but I'm just, I'm, I'm, I'm seeing myself more as a coach in a way, as a, as a 
someone who guides them through their own healing journey or recovery journey. Like I'm not, and not out of disrespect, not at all, but out of to empower the person as well, the athlete, give them tools, knowledge to basically increase agency, to empower them to understand what they can do to help themselves because this dependency, I think I see really critical uh, and it's really not easy. It's really not easy to avoid a certain dependency on someone coming to you to make you feel better. Like, again, you can insert any therapist here. It's really critical for me is to listen, take the time and trying to understand them, what's important to them, and then assess and try to, you know, feedback with them. Uh, how can I help them best? And then what they do with it in a way is, is not up to me. It's up to them. But then again, athletes, of course, we have to separate here. Is it more like uh, teenage athletes or is it really um, grown-up athletes? I think that especially in skating, there's obviously a lot of athletes who are very young compared to other sports. So then their parents much more involved, like different coaches. So um, So I try to mainly listen first, take my time to listen carefully, not just verbally, but also non-verbally what they are, all the signs and symptoms I can get, and then trying to make sense of that and wrap it into uh, explaining what I understood, what they're saying, because often that is already a first miscommunication that maybe I got things wrong or maybe they weren't explaining the way I understood it well. Like um, So trying to re repeat, summarize, and then reflect that, mirror that, does it make sense to them? And the more I understand the person in pain, the better I can help them. Yeah. And so much of that also seems like it's based on whether the person who has the pain is able to sort of develop their own self-awareness and be able to communicate, you know, what is going on with them. And I think there's such a culture of not talking about what's hard or, you know, just trying to be very stoic and very just keep going, don't complain. And so I think for some people, it, it can be difficult to even figure out how to recognize their own experiences, much less communicate them. So I'm sure that hearing it repeated back and thinking, oh, is that what's going on with me would help. Yeah, absolutely. And it really comes down to, of course, I need to assess first, like depending what they come in, you know, there's such a variety of um, acute or longer lasting slash persisting slash chronic, same word, pain anything past the normal tissue healing time. So depending on different tissues, that can be different timing. But on average, after three months, every tissue had its time to heal. So and if pain then persists, that's what we call chronic pain, by the way. In general, that has much more to do with a certain nervous system sensitization. So reacting more to something that you wouldn't have been reacting that much in under different circumstances in the past you know, you can screen for what we call red flag in medical profession. So of course, I need to screen for any more serious, sinister things like, you know, potential fractures, obviously. So definitely a big thing in young skating athletes who have a huge training volume in a growing body, especially in female athletes who are who needs to be super bendy, super strong in an ever so younger age. So there's a high, more and more prevalence in stress fractures and so I would need to screen for that for sure. And if I'm in doubt, send for imaging and scanning for other things like, do you have pain at night? Like if that's repetitively, there might be other things really going on. 
other than, uh, let's say, a certain musculoskeletal injury, what we call it, like injury to your bones, muscles, tendons, and ligaments, so on. Of course, pain can have a different uh, origin, not just, it can be much more uh, nerve, like sciatic pain, you know, it can be much more nerve-driven, much more electric. Anyhow, um, so I scream, I listen, I scream, <laughs> trying to make sense of that person. But what I wanted to say, sorry, is like, ultimately, I try to give the person a sense of safety, because ultimately, when pain is really about the safety or threat or dangerous message. So you can, if you really want to keep it simple, you can say someone is in pain if there's more danger perceived than safety. That's it. That's kind of, I think, as simple as it can get, as you can summarize it. Very late term, very easy to understand, I think. And very true. This is what I'm trying to cultivate. And not, again, not just for the athlete, but mm -hmm. for also then trying to communicate that to, you know, the people they are working with. Again, no one is an island. No one lives in isolation, especially athletes. Like, it really, I can only help one athlete individually to a certain point, but there has to be involvement of the team around it too, that they help. And of course, that they, that I communicate it's all about communication, but that I communicate also to the coaches, if it's a minor, which in skating happens a lot, the parents perhaps as well, that I communicate what I think is going on and how then they can support that child athlete. Because this is so important, this message of safety, of empowering, and then language comes hugely into play. Like, how do you communicate, uh, not just me, but then also coaches, especially because they don't, they spend not much time with me after all. They spend much more time with their parents, with their, you know, training staff and other athletes. And so how is that communicated? Um, yeah. Yeah. I was thinking about that when, you know, often what you'll hear sort of as the summary is like, okay, you know, this athlete had this injury and maybe they're still dealing with it, but they've been cleared to compete by their doctors. And I always think of that as like, as if that was just one blanket permission. Um, okay. You're, you know, you are either healed enough or you're not healed enough. And it's, it does sort of take away from that agency from the athlete to be thinking about you know, maybe it made sense on that day, but doesn't make sense on this day, or, you know, things are are more nuanced than that. But I think there's often that, understandably, there's such a rush in skating to not, and I guess any sport to not be sitting out for too long and to want to go back into competition or back into training as soon as possible. And it does seem like that pressure can lead to um, that desire for things to be okay we're good now like you're either injured or you're not you're sort of you know have that sense of okay now I'm I'm good enough to go back into competition so I must be fine yeah and it's it is a very slippery slope it's a very it's tight rope walking it's it's really hard it's it's very nuanced and what you mentioned like, again, well, what you also just said, someone has cleared. I think, you know, uh, something I haven't talked yet about is, like, it's really context-dependent. Like, what is at stake here? Is it a certain important competition? In a way, you can argue every competition is important, but there are some that are more important to that person, especially. Like, I think ultimately, yes, a medical person will always have to clear, but I think ultimately someone, the, the athlete, ideally, needs to decide for themselves can I do it? Do I feel, you know, and even if they're in pain, like again, pain, again, is much more a measure of safety and danger. Like it's contextual dependent. If it's a really important competition, it's very also likely that the person who has been in training, maybe in pain is not in pain because this is such an important thing. And the brain obviously evaluates that, knows that. 
uh, you don't have to think about it. It's just, you know, so many information and subconsciously going on that you might not experience pain at all at the event itself. Like there's so many examples, not just in sports, but coming from military research, like people going through extreme life-threatening scenarios do not experience pain despite a lot of tissue damage. So again, challenging that view that pain and tissue damage kind of are causative. They're more correlated with each other, but it doesn't need to be tissue injury or tissue damage to have pain. There's so much more going on to evaluate if your brain decides basically to to put you in pain so change your behavior to change something or not those calculations i mean we're just talking about this in the conversation that had about the little girls in pretty boxes and we were talking about injury that there is so much complexity in the risk and reward calculation that an athlete might make about possible that if I compete or if I do this element, I'll get more injured than if I don't. But it's worth it for me right now, because this is such an important opportunity. And that that's part of the agency that we want athletes to have is to make those choices, but that it can be hard to know from the outside, certainly whether that's the choice that the athlete's making, or if they're also under, you know, some forms of outside pressure that are pushing them to you know, maybe they don't get funding if they don't compete, or maybe their coach is pushing them to do it, or you know, so those pieces that are external to what the athlete themselves yeah. is wanting. I I fully agree with that. I feel like I will keep repeating myself, but it's very complex. <laughs> I think because it is complex, it can be very frustrating. Also, because it is complex, I would argue it also gives you a lot of options to do something about it. Sometimes, really, a change of environment, a change of communication or a change of beliefs makes a huge difference in how they experience pain or like in the, in a way themselves. One of the stories that I have thought about a lot um, since I talked to May Bernice Mete last year about her injuries and recovery process that because she pushed back several times before she was maybe fully recovered, it changed her technique because she was started without really realizing it, trying to learn how to jump in a way that wasn't going to hurt and how much damage that did, both in terms of damage to her body, in terms of risk of future injury, but also just not learning good technique because of trying to work through an injury. And that has stuck with me that it took a long time to fully recover and then to try to rebuild from something that she said if she had taken, you know, taken the time off earlier and waited you know, for more recovery that that wouldn't have happened. But it's also hard. It's so, so hard to, to do that and to know that, you know, if you do stop, will you ever get back to a point, you know, that we are fully recovered or should you push for it now? Because maybe this is just what it's going to take. And yeah, I mean, I'm repeating myself. I think that each of those stories, each athlete can talk about, you know, what they learned from themselves and what they might have wished that they were doing differently. But a lot of it does kind of come back to that. Were you actually listening to yourself and what you needed? And were you able to ask for and get what you needed at that point in the career? Absolutely. Um, I fully agree that probably every athlete has an arsenal of stories. Um, it really comes down often to what were your beliefs and what were your perceptions at the time and how were you supported? Like, again, pain is, I think, so much more also a social influenced, a socially driven experience, yeah. um, meaning by, you know, and what environment are you in? Again, it's not just about you as an individual. You do not exist 
in isolation like we we are you know we are embodied within ourselves but you're also embedded in the, in a world like crazy big here but embedded let's say in the world of training like different people different training partners coaches etc uh, so no, I don't know anything really much about her story and injuries, but uh, I wouldn't be surprised if uh, it also had a lot to do with her environment that at the time, not enough knowledge, maybe skills to to alter her understanding of how to, to move more into a less pain or maybe even pain-free way of skating, training. So obviously injuries are going to happen and that's a part of sports, a part of life. It's not that you can totally prevent that happening, but in terms of creating healthier athletes and potentially preventing the risk of injuries, what kinds of things do you recommend as preventative measures? To be supported in your training load and your, your capacity of, so basically your fitness. So the capacity overall, I think this, for example, I think has changed also a lot nowadays, which is great to build a resilience, a certain capacity Again, of not just tissue levels, but also mentally. Um, but mainly, of course, we often refer to tissue capacity to levels. How much are you able to work on strength, endurance, coordination, and so on and so on and so on. So I think um, definitely going into look to prevent injuries to uh, really have a very resilient of the IV to then focus on much more technical and uh, and. Uh, we also tactical and, and, and artistic things uh, on the ice. There is then obviously a huge difference in, in how maybe skaters at a young age train and the skaters who go who are or are going to and who are professional athletes, just the, the amount of time they have to to train. Younger age, you know, younger meaning anything from let's say six till basically until school school ends and of course that's also very different per country kids have a huge load just by school like it's huge and then they obviously are expected to train because uh, we need to do a lot and like the huge demand on uh, on on the body on the mind and then you know talking we haven't even talked about like puberty like so many things change uh in that time before you even become a professional athlete then when you are, when you can make it through that time with little injuries or like if you're lucky, maybe none, but that even I think that doesn't really exist, then you have much more time to focus on, of course, people maybe study or something, but to, to build up that capacity to uh, have a very resilient body of the ice to then work with that on the ice. So it's really about training load, training capacity. It's so important. Yeah, and, and being able to assess where you are in in terms of being able to push and build up strength and endurance and being able to build in the right kind of recovery all of that it seems like I think you're right that that's more common that that's getting talked about and included in the plans for skaters but that the the idea that you're not necessarily going to just try to do as much time on the ice and as many repetitions as you possibly can in order to get you know that won't get you to your goal as quickly as um even though it see, looks you might think that that's the way to get better quickly but it's not necessarily what's going to ultimately lead you to be successful yeah talking of load and capacity before like i think especially when it comes to then being injured it's really about finding a pacing of deloading 
like again when someone is injured you do not have to stop i think tissue needs to heal first because you can load it again but the worst thing actually is to not the worst but often not a very good thing is to just do nothing like there's always something you can do and, and like literally even if it's to do breathing exercise to calm down your nervous system to activate those uh, recovery processes in your body more um, or to at least facilitate that more uh, you can do again what i said way in the beginning of our chat like visualizations mm -hmm. because our brain doesn't know a difference to actually visualize the same areas are activated our blood flow like are stimulated in the brain so um, there's so much one can do once you are injured in a way injury is just like a, you know the river the, the life still goes on the river flows now if it's froze at you something a, a stone uh, life goes on the river flows you might have to go a little bit of a different route and discover probably, hopefully, something about you that you haven't known yet. So I think injury is always a time to learn or to reevaluate at least. I think it's a very important time, as negative as, of course, an injury might be, but to also view it as a chance to reflect and do something different. Yeah, definitely. I really like how you put that. One specific thing that I was wondering about is loading different sides of the body I think one of the things that we often see is because skaters you always land on the same foot you always and you can have that kind of overuse or imbalance between sides of the body yeah I'm curious if you think that that's something that we should be you know teaching skaters at a younger age to be doing in dance you have to turn both directions for example but we don't you only have to jump and spin one direction in skating and if that's something that would be good for good for health in the sport, maybe as well as interest to see if you could train kids from a younger age to be able to do things in both directions or with both legs. <laughs> Personally, I would love to see that. I think it's such a cool thing <laughs> if skaters can turn, whether that's spinning or jumping to both directions. For me personally, I would love to see that much more. I think it again here. I think the main reason why it is not like this is because a lot of coaches have only experience with one direction. So that's not what they teach. I think if it just would be for the kids, I'm pretty sure just out of knowing how kids are <laughs> curious as hell, they would love to try both sides, like much more than what then the coaches kind of at some point say, no, this is the way we do it now. So, well, this is one part. Of course, there is again, there, there is this thing as overuse injury. However, I kind of want to come back to what I said with looking at Paralympic athletes, um, looking at non-symmetrical bodies. It really is less about symmetry or less about one-sidedness. It's really more about the capacity of the body to deal with the demand you impose on it. So I think I don't see necessarily a problem to constantly land on just one leg, which happens to be in skating. It is really much more, I think, the probably then too intensive training rather than necessarily the mechanics of it i think it's really again more about the, the training load of that where i think like i think one preventative thing would be to yeah you don't need to and of course again there's so many varieties of schools out there you don't need to train a certain element a hundred thousand times um work on on different ways of doing that element on different um Again, it's all about the load, I think, and less so about the the demand, the mechanical demand of it. Again, that would be quite a reductionist view 
or thought process again to just view injury or overuse injury through a, a mechanical point of view. Again, I, I fall into that side, uh, although I study for 10 years now, how pain is so much more complex and has a lot about the social and psychological aspects about it. I fall into this trap myself as well to just view it immediately as a biological so slash tissue body mechanics view lens. Whereas, you know, often overuse injuries, I think often has a lot more to do with the certain mental aspect of fatigue or, um, or believing that if we do, if I do that so many times, because other athletes before me did, got injured, I probably get injured as well. Like there's so much to it, you know, so much more than just uh, the pure mechanical view. Yeah. Yeah. No, that makes sense. It's been interesting, you know, with that brain body connection of as a paraskater to learn how to do more things in both directions, because my partner and I are opposite from each other, that I'm a clockwise <laughs> jumper and she's counterclockwise. And so we learn how to do some things, you know, it makes more sense to default to her direction. Some things it makes more sense for my direction. Some things we learn both ways, like it's some things we do mirrored, you know, it's it's interesting trying to figure that out, but it has meant a few th times things like she's learning how to come down from a lift on the leg that's not normally the leg that she'd land on. And because it's partly strength, but a lot of it is what are the habits that are built in and trusting yourself that it will be fine when you do it. Exactly. It really comes down a lot to yeah. habits and ultimately we, we can change that. Like we can, theoretically, we can change a, a lot. Personally, I, I love to see more variety. I think I was talking of single skating, but of course, it's of things for mentioning it, like pair skating ice dance. Although in ice dance, of course, it's much more seen anyhow to different directions. But in pair skating also, I, I feel like it gives an element of beauty to it. I, I really, it's something pleasing also to see different directions and just variety, you know. Uh, I think makes it much more interesting from a spectator's viewpoint. But I think also for athletes and coaches, I think it's something so interesting to work with. Yeah. The last thing I wanted to ask you about was I saw that you're doing a workshop for the Swiss Coaches Association coming up and what coaches in particular to know coming from, from all of this conversation. Yes. I'm part of a... I think it's a one-day uh, seminar for coaches in, in Switzerland. I, I would talk about injury and rehabilitation and how coaches can better are better equipped to deal with that because a lot of us are still perceiving this pain as a very clear signal sign of tissue damage or tissue injury. But when someone is injured, you don't train. I want to really educate uh, the coaches and just things I talked about with you today giving a, a bit of a broader perspective of what pain is and how we can also use that complexity, what it is ultimately to more effectively communicate definitely with the parents as well of the kids because, and that again is quite different to work with than with um, adults. So it's really about communication skills. And also one big thing is about collaboration. I think we, and that is changing in the world of skating, definitely. And that's a good point, but there's so much more to, uh, explore and to improve on to collaborate from coaches to reach out to different healthcare, not just healthcare, but to different professionals, teamwork, basically collaboration, like it, it's so mandatory. And it's just from a social perspective, it's really um, also more fun, I think makes um, life easier for the coaches 100%. Of course, it's always a financial aspect. But ultimately, I think there's so much to learn from each other. Oh, that sounds great. 
we've reached the point of the podcast where I want to ask you if there is anything that we haven't touched on that you would want to bring up or to emphasize. Uh, I feel like I feel like we could go on for ages, to be honest. Um, at the same time, I feel like we I think we touched on a lot of topics. Again, my main message here would be pain. You know, understanding that it is a very complex experience. It's a very individual experience. It's very socially, psychologically driven. It's a very complex thing, which is not just a bad sign. It's not just is is not bad at all. It, it opens a lot of avenues how to help people. Well, thank you so much. You've given me so much to think about, and I really appreciate you sharing. Thank you, Anna. I, I mean, I really enjoyed it. I hope. Everyone who listened to this will at least get curious about this topic a bit more and uh, <laughs> feel free to reach out, get in touch. Thanks again to Phil for sharing his learning with us. You can follow him on Instagram at phil underscore care. As always, the episode transcript and more resources are linked in the show notes. You can reach me with comments or suggestions for topics and people I should talk to by email at fsfuturepodcast at gmail.com or on Instagram and Twitter at futurefspodcast. If you appreciate the podcast, you can also support my work with a tip jar at futureoffigureskating.pinecast.co. Remember to subscribe and review the podcast on whatever platform you use and share it with your friends.